The Incomparable is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Enhance your technology aptitude with IT Pro TV, the resource to keep your IT skills up to date with engaging and informative video tutorials. For a free seven day trial and 30% off the lifetime of your account, go to itpro.tv slash Snell and use the code Snell. The Incomparable, number 292. March 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We're back with the second edition of the Star Trek bad movie thing that we're doing. Why, 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 why? Uh, for this episode, it is st- bad Star Trek movies, The Next Generation, as we watched Star Trek Insurrection from 1998 yes. and Star Trek Nemesis from 2000. And two, Star Trek Nemesis, you may remember, as uh, the one that killed the franchise for uh, several years. <laughs> Yay! Um, although it was, you know, the six years later, J.J. Abrams brought it back. But this was the end of the line for the Next Generation crew. Uh, so to talk about these movies in turn and give them a good beating as if they were pinatas, uh, we, <laughs> just like the last time when we talked about Star Trek V and Star Trek The Motion Picture, I'm joined by a different panel of people. Uh, but one person remains in common. That's Mr. Scott McNulty, my Star Trek go-to expert. Hi, Scott. Hello, Jason. Have you ever experienced a perfect moment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. we'll talk about that later in the bonus track uh, Dan Morin's here hi Dan Jason if, if you had lived my life would you not do the same as me and be on this podcast and watch two terrible Star Trek movies ask yourself this it's mm, a good point I'll cut myself with a Romulan knife and, uh, and uh, prove myself that's, to you that's just how they say hello Jason ouch uh, Eric Ensign's also here hello I, I am here I, I have to say I didn't take close enough note of these movies to have an actual quote That's to fine. say. So. Here, here's one. This is a Oscar winner, F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> you take it down, F. Murray. Take yep. it down, two notches. Oscar winner. Oscar winner. Oh. Brianna Wu is here to talk Star Trek, as we love to do with her. Hello. In the event of emergency, I can be used as a flotation device. <laughs> <laughs> How did I forget that line? Boom. And Joe Rosenstiel is also here. Hi, Joe. I seem to be missing several memory engrams. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll remove them I because was. apparently they are physical objects. And not t- anyway. I I have questions about Data's brain. What don't we all? <sighs> I'll never get answers. It it sends out positronic signals across uh, vast distances, across light years, yes, to very specific starships. Yeah. Um. But we're not, well, let's start like with email. we'll start with uh, Star Trek Insurrection. So um. <sighs> so here's here's the thing. Um. On Twitter, somebody told me um, when we said we were doing bad Star Trek: The Next Generation, somebody said all of them, which is really mean because Star Trek: First Contact. That's a great movie. I think it's the best Star Trek movie other than Star Trek Two. I think it's a legitimately great movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Um. You know, Star Trek Generations is kind of mediocre. There are a lot of things I like about it, including I love that there are scenes with Captain Picard and, and, and Captain Kirk talking to it's each other. Fan it's pretty, service, but on it horseback. Works. On horseback. On horseback. You get the sense that they were like luring William Shatner into the movie, right? It's like you could ride a horse, Bill. You could do that. I know you love horses. And Patrick Stewart's like, why do I have to ride a horse? Although Picard had a saddle in that Star Trek episode, right, Scott? So he did. So we he's know, all about riding horses. We know that they have that in common. Um, but I, you know, I think that movie's fine. Then, then there's Star Trek Insurrection, <laughs> oh. and st- then there's Star Trek Nemesis. 
Um, mm. And like I said, it, Nemesis like killed the franchise dead. But uh, Insurrection is where we're going to start. These are the assigned assigned films for this time. In Star Trek Insurrection, you know, it's like an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. They <laughs> they uh, data seems to have gone rogue and is shooting up a village. It's very much like that. Uh, is it Who Watches the Watchers? Scott is the is mm. that the episode where they're. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's like the Federation duck blind in a pre-contact civilization, and they're kind of all all shielded, and and uh, it's a little bit like that. Except, and and Data's kind of gone rogue and is exposing the Federation people who are there, along with this race we've never heard of or seen before, <laughs> the Sona. Oh, the Sona. They, they are observing the Baku in the Briar Patch, which is an area of space that is different somehow. Ricky. Yeah. The oh. Sona is just how we say sonar here in Boston. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, Jason, I feel like I have a history of having positive things to say about mm-hmm. things that many geeks don't like. I am blank this week. I got nothing for you. <laughs> no help well, is coming. Even, even Bree doesn't have anything. That's, it's, uh, that's pretty it's, bad there. It's over. It's so, over. I mean, yeah. in, in the plot of Star Trek Insurrection, essentially what it turns out is that this planet is like the Fountain of Youth. And the Federation and these people, the Sona, who we've never heard of before, that really sticks with me. It's like, oh, it's a brand new alien race who's got starships, and we've never heard of them before, but here they are. Um, it always is bugged me but we make a deal with them essentially because they want to profit uh everyone wants to profit from blowing up the the special things the special rings around this planet that uh that create a fountain of youth and picard and his crew basically rebel against this federation admiral and the sona who are there um and they fight this insurrection to save the indigenous people on the planet and then there's a complexity because it turns out that the Sona are actually part of the race of people on that planet who were dis- <gasps> dissidents. I know, splot twist. Um, dissidents, and they left. Um, and then they became obsessed with plastic surgery. <laughs> Not my favorite thing in the movie. Uh, anyway, that's what that's what Star Trek Insurrection is. There's, you know, F. Murray Abraham and, and, and Patrick Stewart fight in a scaffold in space and <laughs> Riker gets a shave. Oh, um, Dr. Crusher's, Dr. Crusher's boobs firm up. I, I was wondering if you were going to mention that. that makes me <laughs> I, I'm glad no one used that oh, line during the intro section. I Thanks, thought guys. about using that line. And I'm like, even Brianna Wu doesn't have the gall to say that. Yeah. It's weird. The redeeming quality of it oh. is that it's, it's, uh, it's Crusher oh. and Troy talking about their yeah, boobs firming yeah, up and yeah. data is overhearing them. And that oh. part is actually, Actually, kind of funny because it's data, and data's like, um, "I'm trying to process this." And I thought that part was was funny, but in, 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 it is so weird and uncomfortable about, and bizarre. What about them singing like for the starship fight? Captain Picard saves the day by singing a song oh. to warp. Oh no! Well, so here's the thing about this: this this is that. I think I, I kind of well, – I was watching this with my girlfriend and we were talking about it. And I think the thing that comes down to it is like, you know, if you're a TNG fan, as we both were, and you start watching this, it's it's like watching your parents try to be cool. Like with all the scenes where they're young. It's embarrassing, <laughs> oh, oh, right? Yeah. Like isn't that the most awkward part of it is watching all of them run around like teenagers and you're like, oh, Jesus. God, have some respect Worf for yourself. It's a pimple. <laughs> I, it's, it's just a so – it's, I know it's, it's a gorge. It's painful and embarrassing, and like I don't want to be seen with these people. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm not going to say insurrection is good, but I actually enjoyed watching it. I didn't have any. I mean, there's a bunch of silly stuff in it, but I got to I got to see a couple of actors I like. Uh, Donna Murphy. Donna Murphy. Her. 
She's she was Juliet in Center Stage, which is my favorite dance movie of all time. So I enjoyed watching her. And then I even I was proud of myself because underneath all of the uh, all the makeup, I recognized Greg Henry, who oh, was yeah. Jim Huntsberger yeah. on Gilmore Girls. So. Yep. So yeah, I, I had things that I was able to latch on to, and it was pretty. Like I want to go to that planet. I want to live there. I gotta say, I don't think Something the second worst Star Trek movie, or Next Generation movie, is nearly as bad as the second worst original crew movie. I think I think Insurrection is really mediocre, and I think there are a lot of things that are terrible about it, um, which we should probably list. I'll throw out some of mine, and then please join in in the reasons that this movie is bad. Um, the data playing in the hay with the little boy oh. with the CGI animal. I, I find that really creepy and weird, and I don't like it in any way. <laughs> Can someone explain the time freezing thing? That makes no sense. I kind of I think that's kind of poetic. I mean, the idea is like you have a perfect moment and time seems to stand still, and it turns out that they have like the ability to freeze time through the power of I don't know. They're advanced. No, they're smarter than us. It's the power yeah, of that love. They didn't explain. Yeah, but I, I just find that figures out how to do it. I, too, I find apparently. that kind of poetic, even though it makes yeah. no sense. The the other thing that it really bugs me is the is the sona. I mean, the sona bug me. The 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 idea that they are unrecognizable. They're obsessed with plastic surgery. Okay, here's the thing. The their plastic surgery. I. I it seems so broad as an idea, this idea of trying to remain young, but they don't look young. They look weird. They it's look like Brazil. super weird. And so it's, yeah, it's we're good. meant to take them seriously on one level, and yet it's also this incredibly like broad satire on another level, and that just completely breaks down for me. That can that, I can I defend them with with three words on on this F Sony is ship? F one of the words. <laughs> it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's pimping space couch is is are the three oh. words, which is F. Oh, Murray Abraham's true. got a couch on his bridge, which is awesome. That is true. I, I made a note of that. I approve of the couch. <laughs> Scott and I, a rare point of agreement. I, the thing I don't get about the Sona is that they're this this race this that has this you know that very has high ships technology and stuff. And how many? Yeah, how many people were there on this colony that were booted out to be able to be seen uh, by the Federation in a hundred years? Two point four billion people. Because there are only like six hundred people, people left on the planet. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. In fact, it would be better if the people on the planet, the Baku, were like the hippies who left their warlike race and found this paradise, mm-hmm. and wouldn't let anybody else, you know, uh, you know, and nobody else wanted to come there. Something like that might have been a better dynamic. But the idea that there's this powerful race that we've never seen before in Star Trek, and in a hundred years they've formed and we've lost track of where they came from, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it, it is. They're just trying to backtrack it to get this story to work, and and it doesn't make any sense. And then yet again. The satire, I get the satire. It reminds me a little bit of Erica Ding, Doctor Who, the um, <laughs> in the uh, the end of the world where there's the the Cassandra is a is that her name right? Yep, that's it. And she's a she's a character who is the uh, she is the ultimate expression of plastic surgery. She's skin on a trampoline frame essentially. <laughs> oh, it the is last very living human. It is very funny and very broad. But and I was thinking of that when I watched the 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 Sona because it's like that it's like except they're they're supposed to be taken seriously while being ridiculous and it just it, it just it's too bad because I think a lot of this movie is perfectly fine as a like a next generation episode it's it's yeah. fine it's and, and it's, uh, it's a degree of divi- well. I think it's a degree of difficulty thing like you know making this I feel like like you said it's a it's a long episode so in some ways it doesn't require quite as much. Uh, ingenuity or stretching or any sort of extension yeah. of itself it's it's fine but it's not a particularly 
difficult concept or really, you know, yeah, I, I don't think it's particularly complex. And that's fine. And the action bits are super lazy. They do prefigure drones a little bit, which I thought was kind of cool Thinking, seeing mm-hmm. it now. But some of the scenes are terrible. Like the spinning in the shuttles just made me nauseous. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. just trying to rescue yeah. each other. I, I think toast. like a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the CG of the 90s, and I say this mm-hmm. as someone who does this for a living, a lot of the CG of the 90s doesn't hold up because we didn't have, you know, things like Nuke or a lot of the, the advanced uh color matching things if i wanted to say like i'm trying to think of anything positive you could say about this movie <laughs> i think this particular uh version of the enterprise is probably the best one from a design perspective uh, yeah like, the i love proportion, the enterprise e. yeah it's it's they came up and this is really interesting technically like they had certain technologies to really create lots of detail on the hull of this ship and it really shows in the design like it's it's um like when you're watching episode seven of star wars and they're flying through the the surface of like a star destroyer you can see that much detail of it and it looks better that technology this was when they first started doing that uh for like star trek and i think that's successful but it's so bad to have all the fight scenes and everything in the entire movie just not make any sense yeah. and be so bad that it ruins it i, so. I do like i mean mentioning donna murphy i like donna murphy i like her exchanges with picard i think that kind they're kind of interesting uh this uh, truly like i mean it as an old uh like like uh like frank actually brianna <laughs> <laughs> uh, old school TOS uh, Star Trek fan. It, it reminded me of that a little bit. It's like, you know, the captain goes down on a planet and there's a woman down there who, you know, but in this case, Donna Murphy, she's kind of super wise because it turns out she's the older woman. She's like several hundred years old. And um, I, I thought that was an interesting give and take. And I also like the fact that they cast a 40 year old woman in that part and not a, and not a 20 year old woman, because you could argue that if they're eternally young, they should all look 20 years old. But they didn't do that. And um, I thought she was great in it. Uh, you know, she was totally a babe, Jason. Let's like. just be honest; like she was ridiculously gorgeous. Oh yeah, she's, like, she's yeah, no, she's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I really love. I, yeah. I really love that. That's yeah. it's all rolled in together. I I yeah. I love less the the kind of really boring action scenes where they're picking off drones and running through caves and fighting in a in a big frame with F. Murray Abraham. Oh, they're uh, not very good at insurrections because they are leading <laughs> hundreds of people across an open field when uh, the enemy has a spaceship with scanners. To like strafe them. Sense. Yeah. Well, they're used to having a lot of technology, so they're feeling a little disadvantaged. I also love that when they show up to stop Picard from going rogue, He's like, Jordy and Riker, you guys stay behind. Fortunately, you're, you're already, already wearing, wearing your, your uniform. So he's like, you planned this. <laughs> I noticed that, weird too. Continuity choices that was kind there. of a mistake. They should have been, it, it would have been funny, but they should have been ready with their civvy clothes and being like, oh, I guess we got to change back into our uniforms. You know, but Riker no. has a sweet leisure suit somewhere. Come, Come on, <laughs> man. Although, again, I got to say, Riker, th- one of the things that makes me cringe in this movie is uh, Riker and Troy in the bathtub and the shaving. Yes. <laughs> I guess they're really horny because they're in the briar patch. But it's like both of these these movies are heavy on the the sex scenes you never really want. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Next Generations Appeal was all about Riker and Troy's relationship, right? (laughs) Let's take a break for me to tell you about one of our sponsors. It is IT Pro TV. If you've got a career plan you want to set in motion, maybe you're looking to start a career in information technology, or maybe you're already working in the field, but certificates and credentials are a key 
point in getting a job or a promotion. And IT Pro TV's mission is education through engagement. They've got up-to-date, high-quality video content and access to the most important tools you will need to get your technology certification. They've got more than a 1,000 hours of content, and they're adding 50 hours every single week. Courses are streamed live and on-demand worldwide to Chromecast, Roku, PC, iOS, Android, and now the Amazon Fire TV and the fourth-generation Apple TV, so you can learn on the go or sitting on your couch watching on TV. However you want it, you can get the information you seek on IT Pro TV. Course topics. These are uh, great course topics. Uh, if you want to upgrade your Apple-related skills, there's Mac Integration Basics. There's an Apple Certified Support Professional course, Apple Certified Technical Coordinator, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Technology Certification, Google Apps for Work Administrator, Virtualization Cryptography, a whole lot more. All the courses are transcribed, so you can watch, watch from start to finish or jump to just the part that you're looking for. And there's one low monthly subscription price and a no-hassle cancellation policy. If you're studying with a book or enrolled in a certification or technical degree program, this is a great supplement so you can learn at your own pace and track your progress, and it's much cheaper than going to a boot camp. If you're a working IT professional, this is the ongoing resource you need to keep your skills current. There's corporate and group pricing also available. Clients of IT Pro TV include Harvard, MIT, UCSD, Stanford, and more. So check out itpro.tv slash Snell to upgrade your brain with the most popular IT certifications. Now, normally premium subscriptions are about $57 a month or $570 a year, but there is a special offer. You can try it for free for seven days when you sign up using code SNELL to check out the courses, the live stream, and a whole lot more. You'll also get 30% off for the lifetime of your account at IT Pro TV. So then you'll spend less than $40 a month or $399 for an entire year. And mark your calendar. The CCNP security courses will stream live for the very first time beginning on March 21st. ITPro.tv slash SNELL. Use code SNELL. Try it free for seven days and save 30% off for the lifetime of your account. Thank you to IT Pro TV for sponsoring The Incomparable. I like the that the uh, the indication that this society, this you know, planetary society is so advanced and like really, um, you know, they're all coordinated and stuff. Is that they play hacky sack like a bunch of college freshmen? Yeah, but really good at. They're really, really good, good at, at hack. Like man, again, like, really also good at the hacky the sack, man. the fact that it's an entire planet surrounded by the fountain of youth rings, but there's only like 600 people on the whole planet. Right. I mean, so. you could just just come down, just just hang out, make a make a resort, the spa. Well, right, which apparently was a deleted scene. There's enough room. Why doesn't then they just invite the Sona to live again yeah. with them? Well, uh, Picard even says that uh, to the Admiral, and he says, oh, well, their condition is so bad at this point that it would take them 10 years before they even saw any benefit from that, and they would start dying by then. They don't want to do that. So they'd much rather just blow up the planet. And it really seems stuff. like a script note, right? Where We're somebody cool somebody found a plot hole, and they just inserted a line of dialogue to say, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. Yeah. These stakes yeah. are so incredibly low, we need to have this one little line. <laughs> How low are they? I did have that moment where I thought, you know, although I complain a lot about on Star Trek and Doctor Who, actually, the um, idea that every story has to be about the fate of the, the fate of the world, the fate of the human race, the fate of the universe. I did have that moment in Insurrection where I'm like, fate of 500 people. 
Well, it is a movie. I mean, like like you said, it's it, it should be bigger than that because it, yeah. it feels it just feels like a regular episode that happens to be a little bit longer. I mean, but that does give us that nice scene where Picard is like, "How many people does it take for it to matter?" It Admiral is a good scene. That's true. That's a good scene. So I like that. There are there are some there are some good things in here. I also liked Jordy seeing a sunrise with his real eyes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was oh, Jordy's that was always really my favorite. Touching. That was a really good, yeah. That's really or good. Or Beverly, Beverly with a gun taking out those little robots and enjoying the heck out of mm-hmm. it. That was super fun for me as a as a fan of hers. Or, or speaking of Jordy again, the moment where he ejects the warp core before he's even ordered to. <laughs> that was a good moment. I, I already I did it. it. Yep one of my one of my biggest pet peeves about well any kind of. Uh, any kind of military or Star Trek or science fiction show is that quite often it takes forever from the time that the captain gives the order for something to actually happen. Mm-hmm. It has to be relayed through at least one other person before oh, the button's God. pushed. And then suddenly, like, you know, there's a huge scene with that in Nemesis. Yeah. Um, Hunt for but, Red so, yeah, October. It, I, I love that Jordy just that. jumps the gun and he's like, nope, needed to be done. I did mm-hmm. it. You know, wash my hands. And there's that moment of realization. <laughs> it's like, yep. All right, right there's on. There's the key thing about this movie, I think, especially in comparison to the movie we'll talk to, you know, we'll talk about in a little bit, <gasps> is the this is really well served by like all the characters are really well served by this movie. I feel like even if it's in sometimes mm-hmm. ridiculous ways, everybody gets a couple scenes, and it feels like there's some character development. Like these feel like the characters that we know from the show, albeit you know, kind of under a weird influence of this whole planet and region, <laughs> whatever. But like you get to see all the characters, you get to see them interact. You know, you get. And and that I think is kind of lacking in the other movie. Yeah, uh, but I, I will say that I do feel kind of bad for Gates McFadden because she had been played for a long time as this love interest with Picard. Yes, um, yes. And so angry like, about this, Joe. Yeah, one of, one of my episodes that I really love is uh, when they get bonded with the telepathic link thing and abducted mm. on that planet, and they're wandering oh, around. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they get to know each other and all that stuff and they have a relationship that's building up. And then in this movie, it's just like, yeah, whatever. We're just hanging out and I'm going to go shoot some drones over here and scan some people <laughs> with a tricorder. Yep. And that's it. Well, and he, and he's like, yeah, but Donna Murphy's right here. So, you know, yeah, and she's helping him with like his collar in the first scene and you feel like, oh, maybe they yeah. finally like decide to make a go of it. I always shipped them. So, mm. Oh, speaking of that first scene, I really like how uh, Worf shows up and Picard's like, "What are you doing here, Worf?" And then <laughs> what they the just, "Hell, are you doing they here?" Don't, they don't care. They uh, shift to another thing. You don't even hear what he says. It doesn't matter. Worf nope. is here. War- don't worry about it. Worf shows up whenever there's a movie that's going to be shot because they exactly. got to get him back because they got to explain it in the De- Deep Space Nine chronology, which is a little bit confusing. But it, it, it ha- I like. I'm glad they do it and not like why, why is Mister Worf not in the Star Trek movies? Well, because he was on TV. No, no, we're going to bring him back and put him in the movies. TV. I think TV plays a big part in when we look at any of the next generation movies because the original Star Trek was off the air for 10 years and then they came back and they made a bunch of movies. I think one of the challenges with all these next generation movies is it was a cast of a TV show and they, they finished the TV show and said, well, every couple of years we'll come back and we'll make a movie with you guys. Uh, and, and they did that for four movies and it makes, I feel like it's a kind of a degree of difficulty increase on that front because you're always going to just say this is just like a tv episode but the fact is you know this this movie of all the star trek movies that were made 
feels the most like a TV episode. I mean, and it's like, you know, in a 24-episode season, you can, uh, like, there's a rhythm to Star Trek, right? Like, a season comes out, we all accept that, like, you know, only about a third of them are going to be good, you know? <laughs> like, you just, you know that. But I think it's it's really interesting to, like, look at the, the historical time that was going on here with the, with the Trek franchise, because there were a lot of rumors back then, and there was a lot of people advocating for there being a Voyager movie. And they were talking about Voyager maybe trying to take over the helm after, you know, TNG movies had really run their course. And because these two movies were so bad, yeah. I feel like it, it really, it's like you said, it like hurt the franchise for a really long time. And you just, you can't forgive this level of just cheese in a Star Trek movie. Like, I understand not every Star Trek movie needs to be a hyper-serious first content with, you know, those high stakes. I understand that, like, some of them are going to be the voyage home and be a little more comical. This one just failed. Like, there's there's very little they succeeded at. And that, that makes me very sad. Are you saying that you think the uh, manual steering control being a joystick? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just want to be sure. Why would you not just go up to the helm and control the helm oh, if you're Riker oh, and you think that? But instead they have this thing that comes out of the floor. Well, if you have a joystick, why don't you have that all the time? <laughs> But they, they have, a, yeah. There's a lot of that where in this movie, especially, and I think again, you're thinking of it as a TV show. You're like, why did you do that? And the answer is, we had money to do that, so we did that. <laughs> and it's not a good, it's not a good enough reason. Also, the ten, and we'll get to this with Nemesis as well. But I want to point out the tenuousness of Star Trek as as a film franchise. The fact that uh, Paramount in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Uh, was this like Star Trek two was developed as a TV movie, right? And they finally decided to make it a feature film. Every, for all that we talk about this weirdness about how there was, uh, the even movies are good and the odd movies are, are, are not as good. Um, the first time the even and odd movies were bad, they ended it. That was it. I mean, so they were always like one away from being shut down. The the budgets weren't that great. I mean, you look at these movies; they look okay. The budgets weren't weren't were were, were, were okay, but they weren't also like super blockbuster budgets. They never really were after the motion picture. It's just interesting to think of. We think of Star Trek as this eternal franchise in so many different ways, and yet uh, during this period, they were right on the edge of getting thrown out the door. Every single time. And in fact, Nemesis yeah. has has a different screenwriter and a different director because they basically said, we need to do something to shake this up. And then when that stiffed, they just said, forget it. We're going to go back to the drawing board. It's just so weird to think of like not being able to make money on Star Trek, given the high level of devoted fan base that it has. Right. And looking at the huge number of sci-fi franchises that we've had since then, it's just it is kind of mind boggling. But you're totally right. Like that was the climate of the times. I remember going to see this in the movie theater and being really excited about another Star Trek movie, especially after first contact uh and it was just a it was just a, it came out this going uh, what was that yeah eh. Yeah, I yeah. think I actually liked it better this time watching yeah, it than I here. did when I saw it in the theater because when I was in the theater, I had high hopes for it. And when yeah. I watched it today, I mean, this is an episode <laughs> called Bad Star yeah. Trek Movies. Like, I knew I wasn't in for much, so it, it didn't have any expectations to live up to. It's an episode with a big budget. That's basically, I mean, that's my biggest criticism of it, actually, is I can complain about the Sona and, I, and I, the little CGI woodchuck or whatever it is. But, <laughs> but really, it's just, you know... 
I that's why I don't think it's particularly bad ep- or bad episode C what I just oh, said yep. <laughs> a bad movie it's just it's not a movie it's just kind of there it's an episode of Star Trek the Next Generation with a bigger budget and it's not special and Next Generation you know not every episode I mean Brie was saying this about you know not every episode needs to be special when it's a TV series but when it's a movie it kind of needs to be special and Insurrection is not it's just not no, and there's an additional element to this when these started coming out when Star Wars was also coming out. Like this is there's a six month separation between this and the Phantom Menace. Ah, uh-huh. and uh, with Nemesis, mm-hmm. uh, it was the same year as uh, Attack of the Clones. And even though Attack of the Clones, horrible movie, yeah. um, just in terms of like the the pop culture awareness of everyone, you know, tuning into something with with science fiction and film it's just like why would you pay attention to either of these two star trek movies over that yeah i mean there's something to be said for that i I feel like now maybe the climate is actually a little bit better we did that episode of the incomparable a little while ago about the uh, the new star trek uh tv series coming from cbs and uh you know, if you talk, if you listen to what uh, Paramount is saying about the Star Trek film franchise, it's entirely possible. I mean, they're starting; it could go bad, but they're they're starting to think about like, what if Star Trek was a wider universe, more like Star Wars or the Marvel movies, and they had different movies that were not tied to just um, you know just the the TV shows or the the classic characters. And the funny thing is, any Star Trek fan is going to say, well, of course, Star Trek's always been bigger than any one show. But it seems to have taken the success of the Marvel movies and then, you know, looking at what they're doing with Star Wars for the stewards of the franchise to say, oh, you know what? We could probably do that with Star Trek. And so now they're figuring it out. But, you know, Star Trek could have been the Marvel movies in the 90s or the 2000s if they had had some vision but instead they just felt like it was a continuation of a tv show and how broad is a movie based on a tv show i mean i don't know maybe the entourage movie did really well it didn't but you know it's it's a limited audience so i i don't know i feel like they kind of painted themselves in a corner and maybe they finally figured it out now but it is it does seem like an awful waste to to go through all this and end up with joe you didn't even mention i believe the budgets for (laughs) these star trek movies a fraction of the star wars movies oh yeah this this was uh, 58 million for insurrection and uh phantom menace i think was 112 or something like that yeah. so million you know so you, you know you compare them on screen and for all we can say about the phantom menace it it it, it, it sounds great it looks great it's got it all these good. technical I can say things many good it. things about the phantom menace I, <laughs> motion denied um <laughs> i have to say even i am done defending the prequels after seeing episode seven i'm like yep there can be good star wars movies i was wrong without going into wrong. the story yeah. technically yeah. episode one spectacular technically spectacular <laughs> and then you look at insurrection you're like the, eh. the cgi here is is terrible it's, not, it's really that's, oh, that's it's a really hot so yeah Com- compare droid armies to the little flying drone things <laughs> Yeah. Actually, that oh, was Star another Trek. one of the things that really got my goat was that the little flying drone things and that obnoxious scene where we get the pan across everybody as they're ready, readying their weapons. The drones are just sitting there <laughs> they're, they're waiting, waiting, waiting for the camera waiting to finish panning it. across yeah. our heroes, and then they start shooting. They know there's a pan oh. happening. they got to stop. The data has nice to do his jump and shoot thing. It's going to be really, really dramatic when really we start Western. shooting. <laughs> Let me take a break to tell you about one of our sponsors. It's the Walking Dead Collector's Models, officially authorized by AMC and now available directly from Eagle Moss Collections. It's the ultimate The Walking Dead figurine collection created for ultimate fans 
of the show. It's an extensive collection featuring the most popular characters from across all the seasons of The Walking Dead. As seen on AMC, every character is depicted in a classic pose, stands on a base, and has been faithfully reproduced in 1 to 21 scale. That's about 3 and 3 quarters inches tall. I have a bunch of them in front of me right now. I've got Tyrese here. They sent these to me. I've got the governor who looks super menacing as usual. Michonne, you know, she's got that sword. It's pretty awesome. Glenn is here. Does Glenn have a baseball cap on, though? I think he's not wearing a baseball cap. What's wrong, Glenn? Come on. Find that hat. Uh, Daryl uh, Dixon I've got here. Uh, Daryl's got his uh, his gun. I got Merle with his crazy thing on his arm. And, of course, Rick Grimes. And you can start your collection today with Rick Grimes for only $4.95 with free shipping. All these models are cast in a specially formulated metallic resin, and they're painted by hand following the original references from the AMC archives. Everyone comes with a detailed booklet spotlighting that character and new models are released monthly and delivered directly to your door. So I guess I've got seven months worth right on my desk right now. It's pretty awesome. I can make little uh, dioramas of them. I can keep them in the box if I want to be cruel or I can get them out and play Walking Dead with them. You can cancel your subscription at any time. So there's no risk to you for details on this whole collection and to order yours. Go to twdcollection.com slash Snell. That's Rick Grimes for $4.95 with free shipping. It looks great. Check it out. TWDcollection.com slash Snell. And thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring The Incomparable. What is with this, the Western thing? Data's got like a saddle up line and, you know. Yeah, I like that line. So, I mean, we talk about what what Data, what all the characters do in this. Data is the plot mechanic for a while because he's kind of malfunctioning, but it turns out that his his moral and ethical subroutines take over whenever he's damaged. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but at the end, or, or in that scene in the captain's yacht, which was, by the way, always on the blueprints of the Enterprise, was that there was a captain's yeah. yacht and we never I saw remember. it. And as a, as a fan of, of the next generation, it was always like, well, theoretically, in the bottom of the saucer there's this captain's yacht nobody ever talked about it and in this movie captain have a yacht. picard is packing in the stuff and all that it was supposed to be for like diplomacy i don't know dan i don't know why they have the captain's <laughs> yacht but they do um but there's a great that that's a great moment when they point out well data says everybody else here is feeling the effects so they may be having youthful rebellious tendencies but not me and picard says well what about you Dave?" and he's like lock and load saddle up yeah. let's do it and that's a great that is actually a legitimately great moment in the movie because it is he is he is completely logical and says we need to we need to do this insurrection and i like that part that's a that's a nice moment i that's disagree it makes me cringe <laughs> I, I don't love the dialogue i don't like yeah. the saddle saddle up with brent spiner i don't like that but i like i like the moment leaning up to it i do i, I the idea that data is you know, Data's got something to say here. He's totally, uh, you know, he's totally not affected by this. He doesn't have a gorch or anything like that. He hasn't <laughs> shaved anything. He's, well, he's already that's smooth, as an, smooth as an android. Smooth as an android. Again. Uh, yeah. Uh, the jokes, not. folks. The jokes. I would watch the web series Saddle Up with Brett Spiner. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I mean, is it fair to say that this is not, you know, it's not, it's not a grotesquely bad movie. It's just kind of there <laughs> you know i will say this i enjoyed the music all the way through insurrection and that is mm. not something i can say about the next film <laughs> one, of, one of the sad things about all of these bad star trek movies all four of them that we watched <laughs> are scored by jerry goldsmith who is oh, a who yeah. is a, a, a professional and i will say the part i did notice the one part i really the music stood out to me is when 
Worf beats up some guy, and they they do a callback <laughs> to the Klingon. Yeah, he, he hits the drone. He hits the drone with the mm-hmm. phaser rifle. And, and there's a callback to the Klingon theme from the original motion picture, which is a great Jerry. I mean, I will say the the score for the motion picture is fantastic. It is. It is that, the Jerry Goldsmith's works on work on that is 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 among his best, and it's great well, having him score to him in Nemesis movies. I don't know. What happened Stuart to Nemesis? Baird's influence? Well, well, well. I, I guess we'll get there. It's I. Oh. Sorry, Jerry Goldsmith. You you weren't the problem, um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that 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 is. That is it. Jerry Goldsmith ruined this movie. Um, okay, let's talk about Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, let's do it. Week. Star Trek. Star Trek Ten. According to some, uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, I believe the title says Star Tiak Nemesis because they have a Russian uh, R. Yes, okay. I R. thought it was a Toys R Us ad. <laughs> That's ease. from that two th- 2002. Directed by Stuart Baird. You may know him from U.S. Marshals. <laughs> Written by John Logan, uh, the, the screenwriter of Gladiator, which I would say is one of the worst best picture winners of all time. <laughs> I just watched it recently for the first time ever. Here, here's my one word review of Gladiator. You ready? Badiator. Oh. <laughs> oh. I see what you did there. Yeah, see? Oh. Mm. But also, I mean, this is a guy yeah. who also wrote Spectre, Skyfall, Hugo. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some... some there are some decent movies in there. Maybe yeah. not great movies, but there he is a he is not a terrible writer. He has written some decent movies. It's interesting he wrote though. The movie Tornado. They, they no, brought sorry. in. They brought in. That's a bad exclamation. Point. They they um <laughs> they brought in a new director Jonathan Frakes that directed the last two. They brought in John Logan. Although the score, story credit is with Rick Berman, who was the guy who was like the running Star Trek after Gene Roddenberry died, and uh, Brent Spiner has a story credit here, which is also bizarre and a bad sign i would say whenever one of your cast members sorry star star trek beyond simon Pegg screenplay credit <laughs> scary <laughs> um the uh so so star trek nemesis the whole premise here is tom hardy it's years before he was bane sorry it's like years before he was bane that man <laughs> um is is a clone of captain picard who's for some reason they were gonna try to replace captain picard and the but just as we meet him, he's starting to decay and die from failed cloning something or other. Anyway, uh, what, it was what his else? RNA, Jason. His RNA. His RNA. Thank Temporal you. Anyway, so he's yeah, he's conspired with, RNA with the Remans, who are like Ugh, next to yes. the Romulans, but not the Romulans, <laughs> and they look kind of like vampires from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah, and uh, yep. and uh, and uh, what's his name, Ron Perlman is hellboy tv's hellboy no sorry movies hellboy is the viceroy who's his pal i don't know they have a plan to destroy everybody with this weapon that is creepy and uh they lure the enterprise with a a uh a data prototype called b4 um at which they leave on a planet which leads to a very exciting Except not Chase. exciting at all. Dune buggy <gasps> Dune scene. Oh, it was interminable. Oh, and then in the end, they crash the ships together, and Data sacrifices himself to phaser the thing and blow it up. And then uh, they say, "We give up," and there are no more next generation movies. I think that's pretty much how this <laughs> well, movie goes. Okay, so I had a couple comments about this just off, off the top. One, it's it's actually a much better looking movie than Insurrection in yes. terms of just inter- Insurrection sure. looks like oh, yeah. a TV episode. This yeah. looks like a movie. Mm-hmm. 
There yes. are some good. I mean, like Patrick Stewart. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing the good. quote on the box. Looks like a movie. <laughs> 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 I mean, Feels Patrick like Stewart and Tom Hardy, both good actors. And I actually even <laughs> like the premise that there's like a clone of Picard. Like, that's kind of a cool, intriguing direction. I know. Although I will say yes. the Borkosigan saga did that same plot mm. much better. Um, and, and the idea that you would have scenes where Picard and his clone are doing like, hello, Captain, I'm yeah. just like you. It sounds like those scenes would be good, right? But it's so no. boring. It's so <laughs> boring. Why is this boring? I can't figure it out. It should be good, but it's boring. Uh, well, it, it, every time they're, they're talking about how they're very similar, it's like they're not actually similar at all. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> it's the worst Patrick Stewart impression ever. We're, we're very much like you and I, Captain. You have a no. We, or you have a chin with a cleft, and I have a piece I of have makeup no hair, that just looks like, like a cleft. So we are you very know, I similar. Just, I felt like Captain Picard is more, especially by this point in his life, more self-aware and more self-assured than was required for this plot. So they just dumbed him down and yeah. made him less sure of himself so that he could have this <sighs> supposed moral dilemma that just does not play there's, for me. As there's not even a moral dilemma. No. The moral dilemma like, is like, would I have done this? It's like, that's not even right. relevant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like, okay, so I would have done this, so I should give him a pass on just killing everybody. You know, I Tom Hardy Tom Hardy is given a very difficult this is one of Tom Hardy's very first roles. He's given a a difficult job. He is in makeup to try to make him look a little more like Patrick Stewart, young Patrick Stewart. Uh when uh, apparently that's James McAvoy. I uh, sorry, wrong franchise. my girlfriend actually thought it was James McAvoy for a minute. And I was like, well, that's no, weird. It's totally but, you know, I, I, he, he tries. And there, there are some moments with him that are kind of interesting. But you're right. The, the problem is that, uh, that Patrick Stewart has got, got it so together that what you really want is like to see Shinzon legitimately struggling with being a good person or kind of following the goals of his viceroy and because there's this this implication that the remans are these put upon people they've been the slaves to the romulans and now they're having a revolt and and yet it gets caught up in this kind of like bond villain-esque i'm going to destroy earth thing instead of like let's right the wrongs in the romulan empire it would have been an interesting story if the idea was like picard trying to to steer his clone essentially his twin into making the right choices instead of the wrong choices but instead he you know he's just a james bond villain it's all part of a plot before has been poisoned with bad information to make him a spy except there's a double cross and in the end they kind of waste this whole premise of uh of uh of picard's clone and like nature versus nurture it's just in the end it's just kind of why even do it and they make data stupid. The reason that this whole yeah. you know fake data thing comes in is that suddenly, for some reason, data's dumb enough that he doesn't think to change his passwords before. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, now, what really gets me is: Have any of you ever read the original Star Trek Nemesis script? With where it wasn't B four; it was B nine. Has have yeah. you, oh, I have I read, read, I read, that? I read that screenplay with B nine. Yeah. yeah, it is. This is what I fundamentally can't understand, because before this movie came out, this was the era when, um, like, inter- where scripts were being leaked on the internet. It was a really big problem. Yeah, I read the generation script, like, uh, a year before it came out. Yeah. Absolutely. So we were all doing that. And I remember reading this and thinking, my God, this is 
a really this is gonna be a powerful movie. Like they're gonna kill the 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 Romulan Senate. And it's like you said, Jason, there are all these scenes with like Picard and his clone like really feeling like echoes of each other and the dialogue is really sharp and and painful. And then I remember going to the theater going, What, what happened? Did <laughs> did a scriptwriter hit themselves in the head with something? What is going on here? I I I don't understand because this is a very power. This is a story that could be told extremely, extremely well. There's no premise that is so good it can't be flubbed, and there's no premise that's so bad it can't be done well. This is an exceptional idea, and it's like Tom Hardy is an exceptional actor in other things, I think. So, it's clearly not him as an actor, unless he was just drastically worse back then and got some good training. I I don't understand what happened here. Uh, you know, I will say, I I will say this. I will say this for Nemesis that yeah. uh, in that first scene when you we're looking at the the Romulan senate or whatever, um, it's it's already better as far as uh, women's representation and places mm-hmm. of power than uh, Star Trek Into Darkness was. Yeah, and um, Star Trek Two Thousand Nine. Both of these are then in in both gender and diversity. Well, no, no, no. It gets it gets much worse for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. because well, that's right. you know Romulan woman using her sexiness to try to get yes. to the, uh, the captain Picard, and then we get a, a dream rape scene. That no, that is you. weird oh, and bad choice. But and, I was and, and no rep- point to it. For a minute, I was I, I'm not going to say I was okay with it, but for a minute, when it's Troy that actually gets to be the one who uses her psychic connection to sort of get her own revenge, I was like, yay! They gave her agency. They're mm-hmm. not having somebody fight for her right and then they ruined it all by having Riker be the one that has the showdown with the dude that did that in the first place yeah. so i was like nope you lost me why, why do they send Riker into the corridors to just do a fight scene and then the and and in the moment you're like ah oh, there's fighting there's it's it's like there was a again a producer note like more hand-to-hand fighting all right well we'll have Riker go down there but the moment that made me laugh out loud is when at the very end Riker just kind of shows up back on the bridge at the end like hey guys i was in that fight scene but i'm back now <laughs> What? I have many questions about that fight scene. Why, why not send Worf? Yeah, I know. And why, why, why not have a cover for that Jeffrey's tube that people can just fall down? <laughs> why is there a giant endless shaft with a precarious bridge somewhere in the innards of the, the Enterprise? It's the same people who make the, the catwalks in the Star in Wars Star Wars, movies. yeah. yeah. Star Wars well, style. These, these had handrails, though. They just uh, don't work when they're turned on the side. But uh, well, They have two the, screws yeah. that, that <laughs> screw them into the bulkhead. So that's good. Yeah, well, it also doesn't make any sense because it's supposed to be deck twenty nine, and oh, well, let's not get Strangely into like specific. how many how many Joe, decks do you, there do are. You have blueprints. <laughs> I did have the deck twenty nine. That line, I was I was saying to myself, random number generator twenty nine <laughs> is the birth date of your child. It's like why so specifically deck twenty nine? Uh, but they send Riker off, and and and. Uh, Again, it just feels completely kind of bogus. Like, we needed to give Riker something to do, so why don't we have him have a big fight scene with this one Reman who's left on the ship, uh, and and then he dispatches him by having him plummet to his death. So was that or was that not the the, the Viceroy? Viceroy? Yeah, I think it was, was the Perlman, Viceroy. I think. I think it was yeah, him, yeah, see, so but you I can tell they all was... look the same. Sorry, Reman's apologies. <gasps> all Reman's look alike to me. Oh, space racism. I, that's right. I was going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was supposed to be because he's getting revenge on the, you know, the the dude that violated his woman, which is what made me so mad. I guess. 
Also, well, using Mr. Troy as an insult was just another thing that made me shake my head. Well, what yeah. what makes it so frustrating about these two movies is, if you remember this era, like Deep Space Nine was much better than TNG, which was much better about T- than TOS, at having women be on the show yep. and have agency and be characters. And then Voyager came on, which is just by far the best Star Trek statistically. They've looked at it. It is it, it, at, at, it's, at it's women representation. At yes. women oh, representation. Okay. Oh, okay. Certainly, and we get sure. and we get a Janeway cameo in Nemesis. That's actually you kind do. of a fun Very little moment. Movie. It could have been any generic yeah. admiral, and it's Admiral Janeway, which Absolutely. is fun. But which I have to say, why isn't like, Picard you in that look at the way that women actually get to, to speak and be characters in this in this particular one. It is really bad and you know it's like you say we have like a, a psychic rape scene that's not really a good no. indicator that you're on the right track there i think let me take a break to tell you about one of our sponsors it is audible do you love books but find you never have time to read them audible.com has the perfect solution get audiobooks listen to those books that you've been meaning to read while on the go at the gym during your commute wherever audible.com has more than 180 thousand different titles from all the leading audiobook publishers broadcasters entertainers magazine and newspaper publishers and business information providers their app is free it works on any mobile device you can think of iphone ipad android windows phone you can download and listen on kindle fire and over 500 mp3 players and unlike streaming or rental services with audible you own your books so you can access your books anytime and anywhere right from your phone audible.com also has a great listen guarantee if you decide you don't like the book you chose don't worry about it you can exchange any book you aren't happy with for another title anytime no questions asked. Now, I'm going to recommend a book that I think you should listen to. I just finished it. It's really great. It's called Barsk, The Elephant's Graveyard. That's B-A-R-S-K. It's by Lawrence M. Schoen, narrated by J.G. Hertzler on Audible. Uh, check it out. It is about uh, anthropomorphic elephants and other uh, similar creatures and uh, seems very... I'm not sure whether it's a science fiction book that thinks it's a fantasy novel or a fantasy novel that thinks it's science fiction. Either way, it mashes up the genres a little bit and uh, has elephants in it, so I like it. Uh, for all of the listeners out there, no matter what book you choose, Audible.com is offering a free 30-day trial membership. Go to audible.com slash Snell today to start your free trial. Again, show your support for the incomparable and get a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash Snell. Thank you to Audible for sponsoring the incomparable. There's a moment where they're where they um where they're gonna beam down to uh to Romulus. And uh, he's like, all right, away team, let's go to this invitation that they've gotten where they just kind of go around. Well, I guess we'll just fly to Romulus. By the way, I had, I had questions about that, too. Like, <laughs> let's just cross the neutral zone and go to Romulus. It'll be OK. We got an invitation. Can we show you our invitation card that we got from, from Shinzon? He says we can come. And then they just are, are hovering around like, oh, I guess we'll just wait here until they tell us what to do. For nobody 17 hours. hours. For 17 hours. Nobody talks to them and all that. And then finally, they, they, they send them the invite, you know, be on down here at the location. Uh, and he says, okay, away team, let's go. And there's that moment where they all leave the bridge and it's like, there's nobody left on the bridge. You left but like, all of the senior staff. <laughs> yeah, That's a terrible all, idea. Only the supernumeraries are there. But what struck me of that scene too is that I think there's like one woman in all the supernumeraries. And I'm kind of like, come on, guys. Yeah, this is your opportunity to just like... To, <laughs> To be a little bit nope yeah, there. Just it's just like it. all our extras are white guys. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. And there's nobody else left on the ship because we've all all the important characters have now beamed down to to have 
the lengthy boring supposedly creepy scene <laughs> where tom hardy takes the lights up a little bit talks to his smart light bulbs has siri turn up the lights a little has him turn back down a little bit ron perlman kind of comes in and growls and then goes back out this again goes on forever it's really boring i suppose we're supposed to be in that whole scene we're supposed to be like oh my god oh my god oh my god it's picard he's a young picard oh my god but uh not only does that not happen, but then in the movie, it's like I kept waiting for Tom Hardy to be like, you getting it yet? Have you figured it out yet? Did you see? Does this smile look familiar devices, to you? Yes, that's these basically eyes what he does. It's, it's, but I, I kept waiting for it to be broader because it's like, first off, they're pl- you can't play it like it's obvious and also that you didn't get it. But that's what this movie does. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you and I are not so different because we we're are the one, same. Right? I'm a clone, Picard. Does he get literally it? invite him to dinner and says, just the one of us? Yes. He does. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Don't ever use that No, line. it's worse than that. It's like, just the two of us. Oh, should I, should say, I say, the one <laughs> of us? <laughs> 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 I don't understand what that's you're a saying. Bad, that's a bad scene. That's, and I, then I'm he just holds saying that's his a bad hand scene. and gives yes, them right. the blood and says, yeah. I think you'll be <laughs> this needing is a, this. This is a traditional Riemann greeting. Here, let me oh. bleed on this knife for you. Well, this is also the scene, too, where he's super creepy about, like, oh, I've never seen a human woman before. Yes. Can I touch yeah. your yeah. hair? Can I touch your Okay, yeah, that was creepy, but not in the. I don't think it was creepy in the way they were going for it. Yeah. No, no, it was, it was definitely not what they were going for. No, and again, I don't know he, what they were going if for. He had, well, <laughs> again, if he has a story arc where he's actually this messed up guy who might be good and he might be bad, and he's feel feels totally isolated, and it's first time seeing humans, you could see it as being a very Star Trek kind of shorthand of oh, he doesn't know about you know how proper behavior is, and it would be it wouldn't be good, but it would be very Star Trek. But none of that is built up. He's just like this totally creepy James Bond villain. I mean, I'm a little surprised he doesn't have a Romulan cat to stroke while he's talking because he is he's got the bald everything and the pleather and the whole thing <laughs> the cat makeup was too hard to put on oh. um but the and the shoulder pads <laughs> oh the shoulder pads the, the epaulets rainbow, rainbow outfit epaulets oh mm. yeah he was like a bug's carapace it was kind yeah, of like super yes romulans don't have any sense of fashion <laughs> I didn't really like his origin story either, which was, well, they sent me to, they did, they, they made me this clone because they had this plot, but then it didn't work out. So they sent me to the, the, the slaves and they raised me and then we had a revolt and here I am. It's like, <laughs> I what? actually have a note in my notes that just, it's three words. It says, backstory is boring. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. It's Flashback. boring. It doesn't really it's make true. any sense. You're, you're this big secret weapon and then they throw you away, but you lead a revolt. And now that you've got the, the revolt all worked out, don't, don't ask for specifics about that. But, but again, he, he leads a revolt, but he also, in his backstory, he has led like 12 battles for the Romulan Empire against the Dominion. Yeah. So why is the, why are the Romulans letting him command ships? It doesn't make any sense. Oh. And he can, you know, he can build a special super secret prototype warbird at a super secret base that he has access to for some yeah. reason. Also, it's amazing and perfect cloaking and all these awesome ships on it. Wow, they are really not paying any attention to the remix. Well, he's he's that he's that. Well, that that is very much a Star Trek into darkness thing too, where it's like I don't really believe that one person can go off and build an advanced starship all on their own. He smuggled one piece (laughs) in every day. Yep, in his shoe (laughs) or in his uh, in his in his pants, and he would just like let it fall on the floor and. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Oh my yeah, goodness. I have another note in my notes. Uh, just just a little bit after that, it's uh, four mm. words, which I already tweeted about this. It just says, I just don't care. I'm... I was at that oh. point where I had to even tell my notes. Like, nope, Five minutes care. in. 
I think yeah. I did tweet my favorite line from this movie, which is, I have an appointment with the Foley ambassador, which is how the Romulans say they're going to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's right. So what, what the other thing that really gets me about this movie is, I, I don't know how you all feel, but one of the things that makes Wrath of Khan so powerful for me is Spock's death scene. It, it moves yes. me deeply every time I see it. Yes. I always cry. I always will cry. And we knew that Data was going to die going into this movie. And I just feel like it's so disrespectful how badly they executed this. Like, B4 is a horrible take on Data. Like, Lore is at least an interesting extrapolation of who Data is and, like, his dark side and, like, the, the struggle with emotions versus growth and humanity. That is interesting. B4 is just a really just terrible yeah. just stereotype dumb. about some some about some marginalized groups. And to have Data's death scene, who's probably, like, besides Picard, the most beloved character, if not the most beloved character, Certainly. of TNG, be so cheap and crappily written and just thrown away and so incidental and so meaningless is such a massive amount of disrespect mm-hmm. to that character. It makes me angry. <laughs> like, I mean, do yeah. you all agree? The yeah. amount, oh, of, yeah. the yeah. amount of upset I was at Data being stupid for not changing his passwords is nothing oh. compared to the rage I feel for him being so stupid he didn't give P- Captain Picard the little transporter thing before he transported yes, away. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, the the and and no amount of toasts from Chateau Picard wine after he's died will because again, although the 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 coffin scene in Star Trek Two is poignant, it's made more poignant by the fact that we have the Spock death scene. Whereas Data's death scene is he sticks a thing on Picard and fires his phaser into a glowing thing, and that's it, and that's all we get, and 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 it, it's unfulfilling. Um, the the fact that before seems to have his memories and, and it's very clearly like the you know obviously in the next in the next movie that was never made data would be back because they they make a point in the script of saying he's physically exactly like me it's only his mind that's different and i'm putting my memories in him it's very clearly set up kind of like the remember thing in star trek 2 i was bria bria i was going to take it back even further and say i feel like this movie more than any other star trek movie is trying so hard to be Star Trek 2. Yes. On yes. every yes. level. Yes. And it fails on every level of being Star Trek 2. Yeah. Well, Star Trek 2 and Star Trek 6, which were both... Well, Star Trek 6 was trying to be Star Trek 2 as well. This is true. You're right. Yeah. So it, it, it's like... it's More successfully... It's, I like Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, Star, Trek I, Star Trek Six is one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying that that it is Star Trek Two is the gold finger of of Star Trek movies, basically, where they <laughs> every time it's just like, hey, we need something the audience likes. Let's go, let's go uh, mine something from that. And so, uh, yeah, but it, it, it totally not well executed at all here. Horrible job. Um, you feel cheated. You don't feel any of the the uh, sweeping emotional response yeah. that you feel in in star trek 2 uh there's no real cleverness there's no uh uh enterprise crew out thinking anyone else like they just hit a ship into another ship yeah uh it, it's it just feels cheap and weird uh technically well executed but you don't you don't respond to what you're seeing like it's 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 a total disconnect 
It's, it's, it's a weird, like, again, you know, comparing once again to the movie before this, as ba- as weird as the character executions are in that movie, those characters are recognizable, whereas so many places here, it feels like people, it feels like the whole clone thing. It's like people who look like the characters that you know, but don't really act or talk or have any personality like the characters you know in a lot of the scenes. I mean, and I, I think that's why Data's death rings so hollow is in some ways it's just like, well, this isn't real. Like this, <laughs> this is all just on like a holodeck somewhere. Like this is just a simulation. Well, his sacrifice, you don't see. I mean, Spock. There is a moment in Star Trek Two that is a beautiful moment, and you may miss it if it's the first time you've seen it. But after you've seen it once, you see it, and it's the moment where he's on the bridge and he decides to go mm-hmm. down and fix the ship. That's the moment where Spock says, "I will sacrifice myself to save these people because otherwise we're all going to die. So I'm going to die, and they're going to live." And he he does it. It's silent. He gets up, he leaves the bridge, and he goes down there. Data, you know, he does have Geordi, like, turn off the force field so he can fly over to the other ship and all. But, you know, it, it's – and part of it is set up. It's like – it's this – this. by the way, the, the uh, mutagenic, whatever it is, radiation weapon that the that the Romulans have or the Remans have on this ship. It's so elaborate. That it, it takes, like, 15 minutes to go. It has to unfold all these spines and all in order to do it. seems – Highly impractical for for this, and then Data's there with a minute to spare, and uh, and you know what I'm saying is it, it doesn't feel earned. I mean, I guess after he blows up the ship, we're supposed to feel like that the only way that it's not going to fire on the Enterprise is if he blows it up. But the rules aren't as clear as that, and you kind of feel like couldn't wasn't there another alternative, Data, to blowing yourself up? It, it just it uh, again the, the, with Spock, you're like here it is, and then we get to say, we get to say goodbye. And then it's over. And and this was like, yeah, let's do that too. It's it's again, it's the breakout character who's not the lead, and he he's involved in the story. He obviously wants to kill his character off, just like in Star Trek Two. Let's do it, and they don't do it. They blew it. Yeah. Well, I'm also in Star Trek Two. You're not mad at Kirk when Spock no. dies, and in this, I'm mad at Picard. He's standing around like with Shinzon bleeding on him, and he's just like, oh well, I guess I'll just stand here on against this wall yes. with some light pressure being applied to me by a corpse. <laughs> and it, 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 it's just like, what are you doing? You, you you could totally get out and get that phaser and blow this thing up yourself, but yes. uh, he, he's he's just... Well, he's, he's horrified because he's killed himself, is what I think they're trying to show, <sighs> yeah. but uh, I don't buy it, but no. that's what I think is happening. He's tired from that fight scene that wouldn't end. Well, he also ripped that thing off the wall, so that takes a lot of effort. Yeah, it's amazing. Don't make your don't make your uh, your little uh, ship parts with uh, spines that can be pulled down easily and used to ram it through people. Hey, That's uh, bad. you're uh, you're looking a little impale there, Shinzon. <laughs> also, if Come you on, get that would have been a better line. If you get impaled, what I recommend is sliding further down <laughs> yeah. so you can get closer to your killer and, and wrap and your hands whispering. lovingly I, around your killer, <laughs> and then whisper, "Can I touch your hair?" <laughs> <laughs> what were they thinking <sighs> what were they so this movie i, I talking so in our, in our last bad star trek thing I, you know i talked about how i got really mad at star trek 5 like uh star trek motion picture i was just bored star trek 5 i was like no no what are you doing and nemesis i never really got to the rage levels i i, I just was so disconnected from it like why but it wasn't boredom it was just like you guys aren't even like you're not even in the ballpark i can't even i'm mad at star trek 5 because i felt like i understood what they were trying to do and it was stupid and here i was just like no forget it like it's not even it, it i just i think if i had one word of what i was feeling while watching this movie was contempt which is a bad thing for a lifelong star trek fan to feel for a star trek movie i will also say 
after the reviews of this movie, I never even saw it in the theater. This is the only Star Trek movie I never saw in the theater because because oh, everybody did. said it was terrible. And then I I bought it on DVD and I watched it one time and then I never again. Threw it out and you destroyed the DVD. Yeah. This this was my first time. I only watched it because of you guys. Uh, and this. And, well, you're welcome. And I will say I was bored. Boredom was by yep. like in all you're capital welcome. letters. That is that is what I used to describe my feeling about this whole movie. Yeah. I I, I well. I saw this in theaters. I was very excited. I bought the soundtrack first. Like Brianna, I had also read the screenplay first. Uh, it, it turned out to not be exactly like the film. Uh, <laughs> the, it, the disappointment that I felt was kind of like, I, I won't say it was exactly the same as my Phantom Menace denial of initially seeing something and then being like, maybe it was good. It was, it was, it was sort of like, I don't know what I just saw when I walked out and I was kind of sad and angry at the same time. Um, because this was it just felt like this was leading up to such a big thing like they had taken out these big ads for oscar consideration for their visual effects and they they'd done oh, sorry, all I this stuff the movie. <laughs> yeah they'd done all this stuff for the press for this and it was just like you guys blew it like this this yeah. this is such a catastrophe and i could tell like from seeing this that this was this was it like uh it was it was such a depressing moment for me and I, you know i had seen insurrection in the theater i didn't get that same feeling of of like this is it this is over like no this this mm-hmm. felt like it was over well plus you had yeah. that moment where you're like that's okay this is an odd movie yeah exactly. as an odd movie goes it's okay <laughs> with the even movie we're really going to get him with the even movie oh and and, and you know to, to jason's point this isn't even so dumb like i feel like with the yeah the rage thing is fun because then at least you get wrapped up in like oh this movie is so bad it's like it's at least a, a bad movie i can make fun of whereas this movie like i was trying to tweet stupid things about it and i just oh. i lost interest it's like contempt. even saying dumb things about this movie yeah it's just not i mean it, it and what's what's vexing about it is it does look good it looks good it, yeah. it, it, it is it is technically competent obviously i mean i don't i don't actually know maybe joe knows it feels a lot less cheap than insurrection yeah, does it does it feels like they spent money on the sets they i mean they certainly spent money on the pointless desert uh dune buggy scene which that, which, that was Stuart baird's crowning achievement that he was so proud of including it, it's uh, was so that. it's so useless and it feels like something out of a screenwriting handbook like well you need to have an initial action scene to keep the audience engaged at the beginning of the movie so we're gonna have this thing where there's they're on a dune buggy and they try to play it for laughs a little bit like picard has wanted to take the dune buggy out but you know Shouldn't they have like land speeders or something at this point in <laughs> Star Trek? It's they just got a they, they like stuck some they should, they prop parts. Have the same dune buggies as the pre warp civilization that then chases them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a, it, it's stuff like that where that that was expensive, and you can tell that it was expensive. So okay, fair enough. It it, it feels like they spent a lot of money on it, but it's just it's just awful. It's just it not well any good. Money. At any point, does it feel like? There, we haven't even talked about the wedding, which is, uh, which is like cameo uh. central of the, 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 it's the, it's the Troy Riker. Apparently that, uh, that, that shave in the bathtub really did wonders for their relationship because <laughs> they get married and thank God he grew the beard back. <laughs> Let's all yes. agree on that. You know, I will say, I actually liked Captain Picard's speech at the beginning as a best man. I, sure. I enjoyed that scene. That's playing off all our knowledge it. of uh, the TV series and the characters of like, yeah, because we, we know all these people so well, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I love Whoopi's cameo. Um, sure. You know, 23 Will was there. Hey, Will yeah. Wheaton's there. Will Wheaton doesn't get a line. They no cut lines. all his scenes. The, the only two black characters sitting at a table together talking to each other like <laughs> oh, just highlights I, how colorless yeah. this uh, movie is. Yeah. Jordy, also, I, I thought it was really funny. Um, in Insurrection, it seems like Jordy got healed. 
but here he's got his contacts well, back. Well, they said he was says at one point in Insurrection he's not sure if it'll last or not. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely foreshadowed. But why not, you know, why not let it last? But no, he's got his little contacts back. Appar- apparently, according to an article I read, um, the uh, the director of this film couldn't remember uh, LeVar Burton's character's name and thought he was an alien because he had the funny contact lenses. <laughs> he also and, apparently, and according to Wikipedia, Laverne. did not did not w- watch a single episode of Next Generation. That's so bad. Which kind of oh. shows... I think that's kind of the emblematic thing to take away from this, is like, if you don't watch a single episode of the show... They wanted it to not feel like a TV... I get the idea of, like, we don't it want it to feel, feel like, like a, an episode, but it's just not... Well, it feels like a completely disposable... Uh, sci-fi action, sci-fi action movie, uh, mid-budget sci-fi action movie. That's what it feels like—a forgettable. The only reason we're even talking about it now is because it was a Star Trek movie. Otherwise, this would be a movie you would see on cable sometime and be like, "Did I see that?" But because it's a Star Trek movie, we talk about it. I did see it in the theater, and unlike Insurrection, which I remembered several parts of, I remembered very little about this movie other really? than Tom Hardy. And that scene with Data jumping over. The rest of it was totally forgettable for me. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. To me, I I think of this as, you know, something I think a lot with my job is about lighting and set design and cinematography and shot composition. And I think, like, of all the, the Next Generation movies, just as far as being... A beautiful film. I think this is actually the apex of of the um, of the the TNG movies. Just just purely from having interesting shots and, and and like good color gradient. Like it, it's something that feels very dark and serious. It's just a shame the script can't live up to the art. <laughs> yeah. You know, it does look I great. That was hollow. That was part of yeah. why I didn't like it is because it's it's pretty in such a grim, dark way and there's nothing to hold it up that I actually liked the look of Insurrection better simply because it was a better reflection of the, the meat of the film. Hmm. I I mean, I, I, I well, I'll agree more with what Brianna is saying, but I, I prefer first context look because I think it's more of the it strikes sort of the right balance of, you know, it, it's it, it's dark, but not like bleak like like this is mm-hmm. uh, and. In terms of like a budget, since Jason mentioned, I decided to go look up this one because I couldn't remember. And <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, uh, it's only two million more than Insurrection. So oh. they they technology po- came a long way too. Yeah, well, it did because it was uh, uh, two thousand two that this was. Yeah, out, it's four it was, years later, and it yeah. looks a lot better. It really does look a lot better. Yeah, they also got Digital Domain to do it, which was an actual like good effects house and not Santa Barbara Studios, mm. um, which is no longer in existence. Uh, but it, it the the other. Th- weird and telling thing about this is that it had a 60 million dollar budget and its box office was 67 yeah uh and insurrection had 58 and it made 112 and that was considered a disappointment Uh (laughs) wow no if you look if you look at the um the adjusted by current dollars box office of star trek movies nemesis is the all-time flop of Star Trek movies. Oh, it's the last one. And there's no, that, that's why it's the last one. Although it is funny to think about the fact that only six years later, J.J. Abrams rebooted the series. It did. Well, it seems that like that was years. It seems much 2000, 2008, right? Oh my gosh. Or was it 2009? 2009. Okay. Seven years, seven Still. years. It seems like a generation passed, right? Yeah, but there was seven no years. Star Trek on TV at the, the time and it, yeah. it was a real desert, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, so that, that's true. I don't know. I think like, I think one of the reasons this movie didn't do very well is, you know, it did come, what was it? Two years after, um, insurrection. And, you know, it's why today I was very, 
glad to hear that episode eight of Star Star Wars was being delayed for, you know, basically another year because I think it giving audiences a break and you're not having this there's a pattern they follow in the video game industry called annualization where you just keep putting stuff out because you know it's a paycheck and a dependable paycheck i don't think that's a a pattern that star trek movies can really follow you know what i mean like it just you kind of need a break so they can come back and you know, make a movie that kind of speaks to the zeitgeist of what's going on yeah this was this was actually uh, four years after Insurrection. Why is it? Okay. And Insurrection yeah, was only base. two yeah. years after First Contact, but huh. I think that's the, I think there was a perception that Insurrection was such a letdown that they were going to take a break and they were kind of come back with Nemesis and again, hire a different director, hire a different screenwriter. I remember the run up to Nemesis where it's like, no, 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 we got John Logan. He did Gladiator. That was best picture. This is going to be awesome. It's a new, uh, you know, a new page for Star Trek. And instead, it was the last page for Star Trek. <laughs> oh, and, it's so sad. Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I again, I don't feel the rage for it uh, other than, I mean, Joe, you said this on Twitter uh, earlier today before we started recording. I, I suppose if I was angry about Nemesis for anything, it's that it killed all prospects for Star Trek. Although at the same time, when I see Rick Berman's credit for story on this, I think nemesis maybe i kind of am not angry at nemesis because nemesis is the thing that got paramount to say hey you know what rick berman and all your people who worked on all those tv shows it's over you guys are (laughs) you guys are done you kind of bankrupt creatively you've been working on this since next generation started in 1987 it's been a long time we're done we're gonna come back in a few years with you know somebody like jj abrams we're gonna hire him and his people and we're gonna do something completely fresh and i'd say good call because i feel like the rick berman era you know it went on too long and you know he clung to his power over that franchise for too long and it was kind of in the tank so maybe it's maybe it's all for the best that this thing blew up the franchise for a few years i i i I don't know yeah, I mean, I will take one issue with with saying you know something fresh because we went back to characters from. Well, it's true, know, <laughs> but but would you 60s. dispute? Would you dispute that in the look and the feel of a J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie is like so far advanced from what Star Trek Nemesis brings to the table? Yeah, but I mean, film filmmaking has it wasn't like it came out like a year after. Sure, or anything, you know, it, it, things things had progressed seven years later. Yeah. But if Rick Berman had made another Star Trek movie in 2005, do you think oh, it, it really would have progressed by three no. years? <laughs> I, think it would have, I think it just would have continued this downward trend. I, I think that he had nothing left in him um, and that he didn't know it and didn't or didn't want to acknowledge it because this this just was just awful. Whatever his creative instincts were and in getting Stuart Baird and whatever his creative instincts were in the story direction he was giving, uh, make it more like Star Trek 2. Uh, like whatever, whatever was happening there was awful all bad and uh he went back to the well too many times with with these ideas uh there it's a common criticism of uh, some star trek voyager and enterprise episodes that they would go back and recycle things that you would have seen from the next generation uh it, just sort of updating and tweaking along the way and you'd be like hey, i kind of feel like i saw the story already and you you got some of that and you started getting that in the in the films too and i just i don't think he he was he was he was a good choice to continue uh 
Yeah. You know, whenever we talk about Star Trek movies, it always comes back to the fact that Star Trek's a TV franchise. And one of the reasons that the, these movies are bad, some, you know, is because they become too much like a TV episode or they become, you know, too much like you're just kind of relying on the existing relationships from TV. And I think that's always a problem with Star Trek. It's kind of a miracle that there are as many good Star Trek movies as they are in some ways because it really isn't a movie franchise. It's just not. It's TV. It's about yeah. TV. And that's why the CBS uh, new show in 2017 is going to be much more of a make or break than the movie franchises, I think. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. The movies have such a fine fine line to walk because, like you said, yeah, you can't be too much like it or you end up with insurrection. But if you're too far away from the show and the characters that we know, then that's a failure of a different kind. So Who's going to watch I guess, that? I know. I guess we should be glad yeah. that we do have some that are actually good at all. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I will just say also, the, the, to go along with what uh, both Bree and, and Jason had said, the, it, it, it is a TV show and kind of... I guess you could look at the downside of the success of the films being that there hasn't been that TV show because it's been seven years since uh, uh, the 2009 reboot and we'll have had three movies by the time the third one comes out. And that that's not very much Star Trek. That's the entire run of The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or yeah. Voyager. Uh, so not, not, not Enterprise or the original series. Sorry, guys. But uh, that, that that's a lot of... Star Trek, you could have had a whole like series worth of, of stuff. And so by the time Beyond comes out, like how many more of these JJ movies are there going to be? Are they going to get past four of them? Uh, I, I don't know. I hope not. I, I, it's just not what I love Star Trek. They're for. not even JJ yeah. Abrams movies anymore. Well, no. this is, this is getting far afield, but I mean, that, that's the conversation that seems to be going on at Paramount about Star Trek now is maybe we should make it more like Star Wars and the Marvel movies where we open up, as I said earlier, open up to the broader universe and tell different stories in the Star Trek universe, which I think a lot of fans could probably have told you that 20 years ago, <laughs> but they seem to maybe be thinking in that direction now that Star Wars or Star Trek has value like Star Wars and Marvel if they played it like that instead of it just being a TV show replay or with J.J. Abrams movies, a replay of a TV show replay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you look at the examples of the, the Marvel verse and Disney and, and Lucasfilm and, and not think, oh, my gosh, we have this property that's been spanning, you know. 50 years like we can't get anything with a hugely yeah. devoted fan base like how can we not like capitalize on that yeah there, there was a quote and again there are examples it's a it's a it's a studio person so who knows uh their ideas are probably bad but the what they said was what what if there are movies about star trek that are about you know about the, the space marines or about spies or things like that they were just throwing out some dumb ideas but you know i looked at that and thought yeah what about that what if you looked for good stories you could tell around the star trek universe instead of just let's recycle some tv characters maybe that would be better for for your film franchise than it what reminds you've got. me a, a little bit of a quote from joss whedon when he was trying to do a uh, sell a buffy animated series or i believe he said something to the effect of it was like i had these bags of money and nobody would take them from me yeah 
Oh, well, if you've seen any of the, the, the stuff that they were planning for the Buffy animated series, it would have been spectacularly good. It would have just, oh. it would have been great. And, and you're right. They're like, we just didn't get it. So it, it seems like nothing, nothing, um, says success like success and Star Wars and Marvel. Now people are listening to this idea of like, we got to get some franchises. I mean, what they're, they're going to do the GI Joe micronauts, God, mask, Rom, yeah. mask <laughs> franchise, right? Like everybody's like turning over the couch cushions looking for franchises. Wait, they're doing mask yeah they're gonna do a linked all the toys oh i can't imagine mask micronauts Brom, space knight gi joe i think they're all interconnected and they're they're talking about there's a whole there's a writer's room transformer it's like crazy it's gonna be terrible but the point is everybody's looking for franchises and and paramount is sitting there with a franchise so what are you doing paramount so well i mean i I think there's a lot to learn from, uh, you know, the Netflix Marvel movies. And, you know, for me, I, I know Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy probably has a lot of fans here. But for me, like, what I love science fiction for is smaller stories that talk about, like, a Heinlein novel is good because it says something really deep and important about human nature, right? It's not always, we got to go save the galaxy and get this crystal, right? So I, I I would love, like, my very favorite episodes of Star Trek are always smaller stories that really have their roots in what makes excellent science fiction. And I just really hope that going forward, like, okay, we've got, uh, like, we tend towards extremes as humans, and, like, the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek, like, fine, the loud, exciting space adventure rooted in the 60s, we've got that. Can we maybe take a step back and like look at the core of what makes Star Trek awesome again? Because I think like as we're talking about these two movies that don't work, there's a lot to really think about with the future of Star Trek here. Is it time for a reunion episode? Just like just one. Oh man, I I, I actually <laughs> you know the you know we talk about rage. Uh, Joe, the thing that made me angriest about this movie is this is the last we see, especially if like Patrick Stewart is Picard. It's like come on. You know, come on! I would love to see he did he did the that the X Men movie where he came back as Professor X again. It makes me very sad that this is probably the last we see of Captain Picard, and uh, it's not in service of anything good. And it's like Patrick Stewart, you got him, you got Patrick Stewart. Oh, what a! <laughs> it just it makes me sad. Yeah, because I think it's more to that that meta level of disappointment from beyond this film that that you know this is the end this is the last time this is this is the goodbye this is um, how it ends yeah, yeah. not and, with a bang uh, but with a uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> all, well you know what they say all good things um, <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo. That's, yeah, I, I can't top that <laughs> i just i just i'm so sad yeah. uh, i i wanted i wanted I, I, you you go through all of the the emotions here denial like i'm not seeing this <laughs> anger you know depression you know it all it all it just cycles through every time i watch it because it's just like this is the end of the the cast that i grew up with they're gone uh like no more from them like paramount would not ask them back um i don't think necessarily it would be a good idea to have them back but right. like it's definitely not happening uh so that that is the final note there and you can't even be like oh well maybe you could say like, oh, the last movie is really Insurrection because that was that was the the time before things went off the rails. And you're like, no, that was no. a little off the rails too. And then it's like, well, was the last really good Star Trek First Contact? And it's like, oh, that's yeah, it's yeah. so much so much wrong with that kind of a, a assessment of this. Yeah, Scott, what do you think? So 
They said, let's start the story with Romulans, and we'll kill them all, and we'll introduce the stupid Remans for no particular reason. That just annoys me to no end. Yeah. But at least there are some Romulan warbirds at the end, which look really cool. So, I know you like they Romulans. get show blown up in like two seconds, too, so then that makes me angry. But, uh, but Picard's going to have a drink with that uh, Romulan captain lady later. That's right. <laughs> oh, Romulan yeah. ale, because they only drink one it's kind legal. of thing. Apparently. It should be illegal. It, it they is. just call it ale. It yeah, it's just yeah. ale in Romulus. That's that's just how it is. Um, yeah. Well, what, what can you say? It, it's it's maybe maybe that CBS Star Trek series will have a cameo from like old Captain Picard or something. Wouldn't that be nice? Although, actually, I will say, um, fans of the Next Generation might be interested to find out that in the comic book adaptation of the J- original J.J. J. Abrams Star Trek movie, there is a lengthy, uh, lengthy uh, like side story where they explain how Spock uh, went back in time, and it's basically Picard and Geordi help him get the spaceship that he pilots back in time. And I always thought that was kind of great as like the next generation tie in to the JJ from hmm. Star Trek that Picard and Geordi in the future and data, I think is involved too, because it's just assumed data is back. We're not going to even talk about it. He, he's fine. <laughs> um, and they, and, and I always thought that was really clever and I know they could never do that in the, in the movie, but I, I loved that in the, in the comic book that they made an effort to bring in the next generation characters uh, and tie them in with Spock going back in time because they knew they knew that we cared about those characters and they and they put them in there. I thought that was a nice gesture, but that's the, so that's what I hold on to. Joe is like, yeah, but Spock, I bet he had some help from our friends in the future, and that's all. That's all I got because <laughs> that, th- that, that's that it. stuff doesn't count. I, <laughs> I know it doesn't. It doesn't count. But when I watch the Star Trek J.J. Abrams movie, that's what I'm thinking: is Spock, with the help of our friends, went back in time. <laughs> Please accept my head cannon, <laughs> Jason. I will accept your. Thank head-cannon. you, Erica. That's what I was looking for. All right. Well, you know, there are better Star Trek movies. <laughs> than these but these were the ones we talked about so i want to i want to wrap it up and thank my guests for for soldiering on and watching these two the the two, final two nails in the coffin of star trek the next generation with me dan morin thank you for being here uh, among the many star trek movies jason these were two of them. these were indeed two they count as two erica ensign thank you i'm just depressed now <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Scott McNulty, thank you. I want to know how old Spot is. Oh, Spot. I think there's been many Spots. <laughs> many Spots. They, they can't even agree on a gender. They just keep telling <laughs> no. you. They just, well, the, the, the Spot keeps dying, and they just buy Data a new cat because they don't want to have to explain to him. Like, <laughs> I think that's it. I think died. that's exactly it. They just spot. take the memory engram out about the old <laughs> Spot. <laughs> they put it new Spot. Yep. spot. Uh, Joe Rosensteel, thank you. <sighs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> the last time we ever saw joe that was it that was it let's <laughs> let's let's uh, raise our glass of chateau picard to joe's memory and uh brianna Wu, thank you as long as you remember star trek 2 star trek is not really dead that's yeah that's <laughs> fair enough fair enough i'm gonna clutch my star trek i may actually go back and watch star trek 2 and star trek first contact again just to just to cleanse the palate a little bit well, thanks to everybody out there for watching. We, 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 again, we do 80 episodes in a row about Star Wars, and I feel like we got to do some Star Trek because uh, this is the podcast. People know it as we talk about Star Wars. I'm a Star Trek fan. 
I don't know how it happened. We talk about Star Wars a lot, so I'm glad that we got to spend a little time talking about Star Trek, even if it was bad Star Trek. After all, we did a lot of episodes about bad Star Wars movies, am I right? <laughs> all right. Yeah, I was, I was yeah, so thanks to everybody out there for listening, and uh, I hope you didn't watch these movies before listening to this episode. If you did, we all apologize. We'll see you next week, hopefully, with an episode about something that is not as terrible as these two movies. Goodbye. Goodbye.